And a pleasant good afternoon to you wherever you may be, however you may be listening. This is indeed the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Touch Free Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thank you for making this show part of your afternoon. It is great to be here, great to be doing this show today, and listen, we got a week and some change until Super Bowl 55. I'm fired up. I absolutely love the matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I got a lot to look back on in regarding to Championship Sunday, plus give you some thoughts on Bill Belichick and why he deserves the criticism regarding letting Tom Brady go, given that he's about to play in his 10th career Super Bowl. That and much more coming up just shortly after this. Reminder, you can call and leave a voice message at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. Let's start off the show talking about Bill Belichick. Man, he has got to be thinking a lot of different things regarding his decision on letting Tom Brady go, deciding to let him walk and not even remotely make a true effort to keep him. When you have witnessed greatness for so long, you become accustomed to it. You expect it. And when you are able to deliver on that promise, that puts you in a very, very special select few. And they don't come around every day. So when you have it, you got to take full advantage and really cherish it. Because oftentimes in life, when we have something great, we tend to take it for granted. You know the old adage of you don't know what you got until it's gone? Unfortunately, that was that is one of the more true statements of life that time and time again has shown that, hey, unfortunately, many people don't tend to appreciate what they had until they don't, they no longer have it. And... I'm sure the New England Patriots are feeling it. Oh, they're definitely feeling it. And I'm willing to live and die on that hill. For those that live in New England in particular, they understand that the Patriots, they are king. Even in the offseason, it's Patriots talk. What are they doing? What are they going to do? We all remember that fateful day back in March of last year. When Tom Brady informed the Patriots that he was going elsewhere. We all remember that day. And at that time, I was I upset? Oh, absolutely. Was I angry? No. Was I sad? Yeah, but I understood why. And Bill Belichick has had the whole thought process for a long time. A year early is better than a year too late. Huh. Okay. You did that with a number of guys that were integral part of the Patriots dynasty. That's a fact. You did that with Lawyer Malloy. You did that with Richard Seymour. You did that with Ty Law. You did that with a number of guys. But the quarterback position. Ooh. The quarterback position. 
You believe that you had the guy in Jimmy Garoppolo. Fine. I'll give you that. You believe that Jimmy G was that guy. And oh, by the way, that same said guy could possibly be available via trade this upcoming offseason. Once free agency begins. But this isn't about who is going to be available for quarterback or this upcoming free agency class. That is all for another show much further down the line. But what this is really all about is how one decision could absolutely negatively impact your organization and the public perception of the organization, both in the short term and potentially in the long term. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Tom Brady playing in his 10th Super Bowl in his first season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is remarkable. What is absolutely unremarkable is there is also the thought that he should be still doing this with the New England Patriots. See, in Boston, and I'm sure even nationally as well, but especially in Boston, the vitriol the last couple of weeks have been absolutely vicious against Bill Belichick. I'm going to give you my reason why to the national audience. That is the case. There are plenty of Patriot haters all across the country. That's a fact. I'm not going to run away from that. In fact, I'm going to use this show, this nationally syndicated show, to step into the proverbial fire, if you will. And I'm going to sit in that hot seat, that same hot seat that I'm about to sit in right this moment, and say, America, you got what you wished for. What you really wished for was for the Patriots to go into their demise. And the demise wasn't due to the fact that Tom Brady sucked. It was the fact that Tom Brady was in New England and they were winning so much. You got what you wanted. But here's the other side of that flip coin. Bill Belichick, the GM. I have been a harsh critic of Belichick, the general manager, for quite some time now. Great head coach, but an awful GM. Now, I try to have this conversation with someone near and dear to me. And the excuse began, well, Cam Newton didn't have a full off season. Well, here's the thing. Cam Newton wasn't signed until June 28th. He wasn't signed until the end of June. There was a reason why. Miss me with the idea that the Patriots waited till late in the offseason to sign him when you had X amount of time to sign him, bring him in, have him learn the system. I get that there wasn't an offseason. You could have worked something out. And then, oh, by the way, remember those video aerial footages of Brady working with his receivers on a high school football field in Tampa during the pandemic, early in the pandemic? Oh, that's right. The same guy is about to play in Super Bowl 55. Yeah, that guy. 
So miss me with the excuses in terms of the in that regard. But Bill Belichick didn't do himself any favors by not surrounding the quarterback with talent. Jacoby Myers, eh, bleh. Nikhil Harry, ooh, bust. Yes, he is a bust. Julian Edelman, ooh, the guy, he's not really himself anymore. He's not the same player that he was a couple of years ago when he was Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl 53. And the list goes on and on and on. Oh, by the way, Kyle Van Noy left in free agency. He's with Miami, and Miami is another team that's on the up-and-coming in the AFC East. Should they get their quarterback situation figured all, all out and whatnot? I mean, what happens with Tua Takavailoa, that remains to be seen. But let's be honest about something here. Bill Belichick, man, him letting go of Tom Brady or allowing him to walk out that door, it's going to haunt him. And I'm telling you, he has got to be laying in his bed every day for the next couple of weeks thinking to himself, did I make a colossal mistake? The same question can be asked of Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots. Did they both make a colossal mistake in saying, we're going to move on and build we trust. He's going to figure this all out. What plan did you have apart from Jimmy Garoppolo? He was the guy. Okay, that fell in between the crack pipes, if you will. Now, what was your next plan? Did you have a plan B? Right now, looks like the answer is no. You didn't have a plan B, and it showed. Not only that you didn't have a plan B, but you also led many people to believe that, oh, in the end, everything's going to be okay. Bill's going to figure it all out. He's the greatest coach of all time, but he has drafted poorly over the years. Let's be honest about something here. Drafting offensive players, not necessarily Bill Belichick's strongest suit. Drafting defensive players, well, that, that's a little bit of a different story. I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due, right? I mean, after all, he did draft <laughs> Chandler Jones, right? He did draft Cal Van Noy, right? He did draft the um, Dante Hightower, right? He did draft a number of guys who were instrumental in the Patriots dynasty on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, hmm. Okay, you drafted Tom Brady. You drafted Jimmy G. But the truth was, did we really know what we have in Jimmy G at that time when he was in New England? Not necessarily. Your guess and my guess is, listen, at the end of the day, he was a prospect. We saw maybe a small window as to what his potential could be. But Bill Belichick has got to be kicking himself right now, saying, wow, Brady has gone elsewhere and took another team to the Super Bowl. Something that I have been become too familiar with over the years. Oh, really? Then why did you let him go out that door? Why didn't you give him the help that he needed? Hmm? Because you had two years two years to figure this all out and that's the thing i want p 
people across the country to really understand. I don't want you to understand that after Jimmy G, after he was traded to San Francisco during the 2017 season, Bill Belichick had two years to figure this out because he knew that there was going to be a day in which that Tom Brady was no longer going to be the quarterback of the New England Patriots. We didn't think it would be a day in which that he was going to walk out on the organization or better yet, Bill Belichick pushed him out the door. That's really what happened. Bill Belichick pushed Brady out the door. And now he's feeling it. And I was saying to myself, let Brady get to the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. The public lashing that Belichick is going to face across the country, even myself, yours truly. Oh, it's going to be vicious. Bill Belichick, you absolutely are an awful general manager. And the old adage goes, you don't know what you had until you don't have it anymore. Ooh, I hope 2020 taught you that lesson very clear. Because who on earth knows what 2021 will hold? Let's be honest. You don't know who the quarterback is going to be for the New England Patriots in 2021. You don't. I don't. I can sit here and make guesstimations or predictions on who may be available for trade and so forth. I mean, Aaron Rodgers may be available for trade or Matthew Stafford may be available or Jimmy G may be available. Neither one of us knows. And that's the part that I look at Belichick is that you had one sure thing. You had the guy for 20 years. You had unrivaled success for 20 years. And for whatever reason, you decided to absolutely say, screw it, I'm going to push you out the door. We'll be just fine without you. The system will be just fine. Wrong. You were proven wrong almost immediately. And I say almost immediately because the first three weeks of the season, the Patriots looked okay until they weren't okay. Yes, they had COVID. Cam Newton fell down with COVID, unfortunately. I understand that the Patriots, they had their game against the Chiefs postponed. You had the guy for 20 years. You thought that Jared Stidham was going to be the guy until he wasn't the guy. You thought that Cam Newton was going to be the temporary fix for the New England Patriots at quarterback position. Until he wasn't. You thought that you were going to malaise your way and to to you know you know to manipulate the media in years past with your shenanigans of getting feisty and testy with the media. And I used to say that, you know, in the past when you were winning, you were able to get away with it. Sure. Absolutely. Now seven and nine. No quarterback, plan for the future very much in doubt, and what do you have to show for it? Nothing. Your former quarterback is about to play in his 10th Super Bowl, and I'm going to tell you something. If Tampa Bay wins the Super Bowl over the Kansas City Chiefs, understand that the criticism will be even louder than what it was now. It will be stronger 
it will be even more sickening. It's going to be even more disgusting when Tom Brady returns to New England in 2021 as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is scheduled to return to Gillette to play the Patriots at Gillette Stadium in the 2021 season. When exactly? That's to be determined. But man, Bill Belichick, you brought this public beating on yourself. You had a plan until you didn't have a plan anymore. You know the old Mike Tyson saying, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth? Ooh, yeah, Belichick, your legacy is on the line in this regard. Yes, your, le- your legacy is secured with six Super Bowl wins, but hey, now this is your test. How well can you build this Patriots team back into relevancy again? That remains to be seen. Coming up next, I want to have the opportunity to talk about the AFC and the NFC Championship game. But first, I got to touch on the NFC title game between the Buccaneers and the Packers and give you my thoughts on that. That and much more coming up next on the Shukri Wright Show right here on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. stuff under there what about jobs no now try your basement there's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore a perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months and even more stuff but still no jobs well you really have both see stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group sometimes this stuff is no longer needed wait no longer needed that can't be right because remember those jobs you were looking for those are really needed and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. I spend a lot of time in the backyard, and I'm the center of attention at summer barbecues. In 96, I made some of the tastiest s'mores you've ever had. In 01, we stayed up all night telling ghost stories with the neighbors. Yeah, I know I've got a bit of wear and tear. And sadly, in 09, it was me, your backyard fire pit that accidentally started a wildfire when a summer breeze carried one of my embers into some dry brush. Sparks from an improperly extinguished fire pit can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. John. 
We can't keep putting this off. Okay, I'll clean the gutters. I'm talking about your dad. Well, what can we do? He wants to stay in his house. We can make his house safer. Yeah, I worry about the steps. In perfect world, there are no steps, but he does have steps. And that banister only goes halfway up. And all those little throw rugs are falls waiting to happen. So what about his prescription meds? If he forgets and takes them twice, he could get really dizzy. Right. We could get him one of those daily pill counters. And he should have some sturdy hand grips in the bathroom and shower. This is all easy to do. You know he's a proud guy. He's not going to take all our fussing lying down. That's the idea. For older people, falling and breaking a hip can be devastating. For more tips on making homes safer, visit orthoinfo.org falls. A message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and the Orthopedic Trauma Association. Now please, clean the gutters. Just be careful on the ladder. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I want to be a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day. When I grow up, I want to be a fancy backsplash. I, I want to be a bike that races around the when country. When I grow up, I want to be a bench on a forest when I trail. Grow up, I want to be a rocking chair on when a sunny I up, porch. I want to be a skyscraper. I want to be a... 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 When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. A public service advertisement brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Shipwright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, South Freeform Radio. Streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. As always, you can listen to this program and every broadcast of the Sugar Ride Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford on demand on iHeartRadio as part of the Sugar Rights Podcast. Type in the Sugar Rights Podcast. You'll find all broadcasts of the Sugar Rights Show um, as it's done and completed on demand on iHeartRadio as part of the Sugar Rights Podcast um, from the 91.5 FM WMFO. Now, just want to remind you that you can contact me on social media at Shukri Writes, at S-H-U-K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram at SWritesRadio underscore. That's at S-W-R-I-G-H-T-S-R-A-D-I-O underscore. That's how you can get in touch with me on social media. Let me know what are your thoughts. Voice your pleasures and displeasures and your frustration and happiness and anger to me in terms of what I talk about on the radio show. So let me hear it. Let me know what your thoughts are. Now, I want to start off by talking about the NFC title game between the Tampa Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. Brady versus Rodgers. That was the juicy matchup going into the game. The juicy headline. Brady versus Rodgers, the greatest of all time against Aaron Rodgers, who's already a surefire Hall of Famer. And I think in more ways than one, it lived up to the billing. However, as the dust settles on this game and as Super Bowl legacies are, have, are yet to have been determined and will be determined 
I can't help but to look back on the NFC title game and just pause and reflect. And I want to start with Aaron Rodgers in particular. Because Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, and I've been saying this for years, that Aaron Rodgers is the great underachiever in NFL history. Why do I say that? Is it harsh? No. Is it fair? Yes. I could say a whole lot worse, but he is the great underachiever in NFL history, and here's why. Aaron Rodgers, there has never been a question about talent, his ability to play the quarterback position. That's never been the worry or the concern for Packer fans, and especially NFL fans. What has long worried me about Aaron Rodgers is can he win the second Super Bowl? Because he's got one right now. He's got one from 2010 when he won Super Bowl 45 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's, that's a fact. However, if we're going to be completely honest about something, Aaron Rodgers, with the exception of that one Super Bowl championship run in 2010, has been a perpetual choker in the playoffs. With the loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Aaron Rodgers is now 1-4 in the NFC Championship game. That's staggering. That is not good. Not good at all. And when you think about Aaron Rodgers and his ability to win the big one, he's come up short time and time and time again. Let's go down memory lane. He won 2010. That was the year he won the Super Bowl. But 2014, the unforgettable collapse in Seattle against the Legion of Boom Seattle Seahawks at that time. 2016, he gets annihilated by the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC title game in Atlanta. 2019, he gets his door blown off in San Francisco against the Niners. And then in the NFC title game for 2020, he loses again. He's now one in four in the NFC title game. Don't even get me started about other postseason disappointments. For me, most notably the 2015 NFC wildcard game against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm sure NFL fans across the country remember that game quite well. And I look at Aaron Rodgers and I say, listen, it's not lack of talent. You have long have had a tremendous amount of talent. Problem is, in the postseason, for whatever reason, you just have had a knack for coming up short when the team needs you most. And... Listen, the Packers, they've had opportunities to win this game. And I'm sorry for NFL fans that I'm about to disappoint you that the referees didn't cost the Packers this game. I've seen it on social media already, and I'm like, really, really, and really, are you kidding me? Your your first immediate blame is the referees? Hmm, how how convenient. Maybe you want to tell Devontae Adams to actually catch the ball 
in the end zone, maybe you want to tell Matt LeFleur to do a better job of play calling. When it was 14-7, you decide to kick a field goal instead of actually going for it on fourth down or showing some cojones. Maybe you want to tell Aaron Jones to hold on to the football and not fumble it and let Devon White at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers recover that fumble. Let's start there. Stop blaming the referees for the loss. The referees had nothing to do with the loss at all. No, no, no. Mm -mm. That's too easy. Too easy of a blame. Problem is, the receivers couldn't hold on to the ball. Your running back couldn't hold on to the ball. Aaron Rodgers, ooh. Again, in championship games, came up small. And at the and at the same time, aren't great quarterbacks determined and defined by how they perform in the big game? Aaron Rodgers' legacy isn't completely done. But 1-4 in an NFC title game with the one win coming in the year that he won the Super Bowl? Underachieving. Underachiever. And I know this is going to sound really harsh. But I can't help but to think about the Green Bay Packers and where they are now. Second straight year, you get to the NFC title game. You got there in 2019. Lost to the Niners. You get you get there again this season. And you lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So what now for the Green Bay Packers? Where do they go? Major decisions that they're going to have to make this offseason. Aaron Rodgers. There's a report out there that he, if he is to be cut, it will save the Green Bay Packers He's going to save $22 million if Green Bay decides to move on from him. He's got two more seasons after this. And I think more than anything else, Green Bay's got a decision to make. We don't know. It's still way too early for any type of decision making. And I'm actually with Aaron Rodgers when he said he's going to take some time away and really think about things. And he's right. This is a big decision for his future. A big decision as to what will happen next. We just don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Now, as for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we talk about legacy. What's your legacy going to be? This is where I really get hot and heavy when it comes to Tom Brady. So for the Tom Brady haters... I'm going to need you to really suck it up and and really appreciate what you're seeing. Let's start with the fact that Tom Brady is going to the Super Bowl in his first year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, wasn't he supposed to, you know, fall off the cliff, fail, not succeed, leaving New England? Not only has he absolutely de- destroyed that theory and debunk that theory he's excelled and in the postseason he has done absolutely very well for himself 
Now, the turnovers, that was a little bit of a different story. Him overthrowing, him underthrowing. Was it the weather? I don't know. I mean, when you are an older player, when you're 43 years old, playing in Green Bay weather, hate to break it to you. It will affect you at some point. But the story is Tom Brady, at age 43, playing in his 10th Super Bowl. He's 6-3 in his previous nine, all with New England. And to really put this into perspective, this is absolutely just incredible. Because let's start with this. When he left New England for Tampa Bay, what was his reason? His reason? Better receivers, better offensive line, head coach. Now, I have talked about the head coaching situation between Brady and the Bruce Arians at almost nauseam this past season. I've talked about how I don't see this working out long term, and I've said that I've had doubts about the relationship. I didn't like the way that Bruce Arians was going to the media to call out Tom Brady. There's a difference between coaching hard and and being smart in your tactics to get the best out of your player. And there are moments where I honestly thought that Bruce Arians failed in that department. But as time has gone on, they've eventually figured it all out. They were able to get on the same page about coaching philosophies. Bruce Arians allowed Tom Brady to coach, to take over. He said it himself. I'll let, I let Tom Brady take over, and I'll just stand back and watch. I'm paraphrasing what he said. And it's worked out marvelously up until this point. But Tom Brady, going to the Super Bowl, and then also, think about this historic significance of all of this as well. The Tampa Buccaneers are the first team in NFL history to be playing in a home Super Bowl in their home stadium. That's never happened in NFL history. Never. Until now. Which makes it all the more incredible when you think about the fact that this is an organization that is mired in mediocrity. That has been absolutely putrid. Since 2007, you talk about a a culture that has been mired in losing for so long. And all it took was Tom Brady getting to Tampa Bay to really begin to understand the significance of all of this. Yes, this is a young defense that is absolutely talented. Shaq Barrett, Devin White. You got the good old veteran Jason Pierre-Paul. And in the offense, you look at Antonio Brown. He should be back healthy by the time the Super Bowl rolls around. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette. I mean, they, they are deep offensively. And Brady said, I needed weapons. I needed something to work with. 
he wasn't getting that in New England for whatever reason that may be. And I'll be the first to tell you that Tom Brady was right. He ultimately made the right decision to go to Tampa Bay and be able to succeed. Numbers don't lie. The film don't lie. And to really put this even more in perspective, what Tom Brady was able to do as a wildcard team, you had to win the wildcard game, win the divisional game, you won the NFC title game, and now he's in the Super Bowl for the 10th time in his career. If there was any question or any doubt before, it should be all over now. There shouldn't be any doubt as to who the greatest of all time is. I'll be the first to tell you that this Super Bowl, I am genuinely excited. The matchups, the the storylines that's going to be coming, the storylines alone is going to make this one of the great Super Bowls of all time. Mark my words. And I haven't even talked about the AFC side of the Super Bowl in which I will at some point in this show. But it is absolutely astounding to just think about the legacy and what Brady has been able to do this season and what Brady has an opportunity to do. He's going for his seventh Super Bowl title. Now, if he is to pull off that feat and win the Super Bowl, Do you not understand, America, just how incredible of a feat that is? You don't got to like the man. But at this point, if you're still hating on the man, you're a flat-out hater. I'm not here to hate on success. If anything, I'm admiring what I'm seeing because, simply put, we are never going to see anything like this again. We'll see what Mahomes is able to do in Kansas City over the course of the next many years to come. But that story is still being written. But Brady? That debate was destroyed about the greatest of all time, Brady versus Montana, at least three Super Bowls ago. And if he wins again, he wins Super Bowl 55? That debate is surely over. There shouldn't be any discussion as to who is the greatest quarterback of all time. And you think about what Brady's able to do. He has the talent around him. He has the defense to work with. It matters. It absolutely matters. And what we're going to see in Super Bowl 55, I wholeheartedly believe it is going to be an all-time great classic. Coming up next, I'm going to talk about my thoughts on the AFC title game between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. That and much more coming up next right here on the Sugar Ray Show on 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org.
Can you tell if the surfaces in this kitchen are crawling with bacteria that could cause chronic arthritis? Listen. Can't, can you? You can't see it either. Wash surfaces, utensils, and hands frequently with soapy water while preparing food, especially when handling raw meats or eggs. Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by cleaning with soap and water as you go. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. Am too, am too. Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work. There's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control of my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. A social distancing tip. Keeping your distance from others is important in slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are some fun things to do alone. Read a book. Take a walk. Unpack your suitcase from that trip you took last September. Paint a self-portrait. Catch up on a TV series. Do a puzzle. Remember, we should all stay home to lower the risk for everyone. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ag Council. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got, got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat. Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Sugar Wright Show on 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford, Tufts Freeform Radio. Always a pleasure to be here with you on another Thursday. And we're going to continue talking NFL playoffs as Championship Sunday was just a few days ago. But I'm going to use the show to talk about uh, my thoughts on AFC title game coming up just momentarily. But last segment, we had the chance to look back on the NFC title game, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And, you know, like just the legacy that both men will have will be one that is 
surely never going to be forgotten with the rest of time. So I just want to use the remaining time left that I have here to talk about the, the AFC championship game between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, for a lot of people, they're saying to themselves, was there really any doubt? I don't think there really was any doubt to begin with that Kansas City would return back to the Super Bowl. But I personally was hoping that the Bills would upset them. I really like the Bills a lot. And the Bills, the reality is this. They are just coming into their own. The fact that they made it to the AFC title game is incredible. Josh Allen is the real deal. In fact, I was telling someone that Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs is the best quarterback wide receiver duo in the AFC East right now in that division. There's no it's no doubt in my mind that I know I'm right about that. And that those two have been the reason why this team has gone from where they were to the next level. But in the AFC title game, what I saw was a Kansas City defense that showed up and took away what the Bills did best. Getting to ball to Stephon Diggs, making Josh Allen uncomfortable, and more importantly, what I also saw was Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, being an absolute force being a problem on the field. And this is why that Tyron Matthew is on his way to becoming one of the one of the great safeties in the NFL. And they are a di- dying breed right now. There's two safeties in the NFL, in my humble opinion, that I put them as the upper echelon of the elite of the elite in the league. That's Jamal Adams of the Seattle Seahawks, and that's Tyron Matthew. And then there's everyone else. But as far as the Kansas City Chiefs go, Patrick Mahomes, the story leading into the game was, was he going to be able to play? Was he going to be able to perform? He had the toe injury. He answered those questions pretty resoundly. And it's incredible. What's incredible to me is this. And I talked about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in terms of weapons. But my God, my God, you look at the speed burners that the Kansas City Chiefs have. Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he returned in the AFC title game after missing nearly a month with injury. And you look at the tight end, Travis Kelsey. Oh, he's a problem. (laughs) He's a real problem. And I can't help but to honestly think to myself, Patrick Mahomes is something that the world has never seen. We don't know what the ceiling is for Patrick Mahomes because he is so immensely talented it's not even funny. I mean, (laughs) goodness grief. You talk about what he's able to do on the football field and what we saw in the AFC Championship game. What we saw from the Kansas City Chiefs is that they said, you know what? 
we're not going to let you predict the big play in terms of, well, don't let them get the big play, but we're going to take small chunks, 10, 15 yards at a time, you know, 10, 15-yard runs, 10, 15-yard completions, and then set up the big play. You saw that time and time again in the AOC title game against the Bills. Buffalo couldn't stop it. And then, interestingly enough, Buffalo, I mean, listen, we knew that this was going to be a track meet. And I wholeheartedly believe that Buffalo did not have the personnel to be able to keep up with them. That's just being honest. Like, if we're going to really break it down, the Bills lost this game, and one of the reasons why they lost this game is their inability to convert on third downs. They were 5-14 of on third downs. And that, against the Kansas City Chiefs, that's not good. You're going to need to convert on those opportunities. And then listen, the Chiefs took out Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs wasn't even much of a factor in this game. Like, at halftime, Diggs only had two catches for a measly 12 yards. That was it. Once I saw that Stephon Diggs was not much of a factor, I knew that offensively they were done. Because Stephon Diggs, yes, he is their number one receiver, but he didn't have any other home run threats to go to. Mahomes had plenty of those in abundance. I mean, your next option was Dawson Knox, and even he wasn't much of a factor in this game at all. And then also, give credit to the Kansas City defense. They pressured Josh Allen on 25% of his dropbacks. And then his completion percentage on those players were only 33.3%. Josh Allen, prior to that, was dominant in those situations. And then I also look at this. We knew that the personnel matchup was a mismatch. What I was most excited to see was the two young gunslingers in the AFC right now, Josh Allen, and as well as Patrick Mahomes, go at it. But by halftime, was it really much of a gun show? No. It wasn't much of a gun show. And halftime, I knew right then and there that Josh Allen was absolutely outmatched despite what the final score indicated. 12 of 23 of 104 by halftime for Josh Allen. And against the Kansas City Chiefs, you needed everything to go right. You have to play a near-perfect game against this team because this team is just that good. And that's just being completely honest. Here's the part in which that I look at and I say to myself, Hmm. Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady and that and that Buccaneer defense. That's going to be one of the big matchups going into Super Bowl 55. Because that's really been the big question all season long in the NFL. What defense will be able to stop the Kansas City Chiefs offense? If you may remember Back in week six, 
these teams met up. And although the game was ultimately 27 to 24 final score, but the truth is for many of those who saw that game, that game wasn't even close. That game was already over by the time we got to the third quarter. It's just that the Chiefs nearly blew that game. That's all. So now with the Super Bowl and with the matchup being what it is, I'll be the first to tell you that this team is far different than what we saw in week six. We're talking about in terms of the Kansas City Chiefs, and the same can be said for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were still figuring themselves out offensively. They were still figuring themselves out as a team. And now what you're seeing is a Buccaneers team that absolutely is rising at the right time, and they have gotten to this point pretty much as a buildup from what they were able to do during the final month of the regular season. And I look at this Kansas City team, and I look at that defense. That defense is pretty legit. But what I am interested in seeing is this. How are they going to get game plan for Tom Brady? Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown. Should he return? I expect him to be back, honestly. And I think as the days go by, especially as we get to Super Bowl week, the storylines will increase more and more. We'll learn more in terms of how these teams are going to attack, game plan. We're going to look at position by position. I'm sure all of the articles are going to come out. And I'm excited. This matchup in itself is everything that a football fan could possibly ask for. And I am fired up. The Chiefs and Buccaneers, Mahomes versus Brady, this is just getting started. I can't wait. With that being said, it is time for final thoughts. With your truly, Shukri Rights on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. It's been some sort of week in sports already. Super Bowl 55 is coming up in 10 days. I'm fired up. Chiefs, Buccaneers. That's the hot, juicy topic over the course of the next uh, 10 days and so forth. Next week, Super Bowl week, always exciting and looking forward to it even more so now. Now more than ever. And can we all just pause for a moment? And when we get to Super Bowl Sunday, just moments before kickoff for Super Bowl 55, can we all as a nation rise up? and applaud the NFL for doing a terrific job by and large part navigating through a pandemic and to be able to play the Super Bowl on time. That in itself is absolutely incredible. But on a much serious note, I have to talk about something that is very serious in regards to domestic violence because yet again, the NFL has a major problem on its hands when it comes to domestic violence. Chad Wheeler, now former lineman for the Seattle Seahawks, as he has been waived by the Seattle Seahawks, nearly killed his girlfriend. And the reason is because she wouldn't bow to him. And then when he beat her to near death, 
he was surprised. And what was terrifying about this is that he said, quote, wow, you're still alive. He said that while sipping on a smoothie. It's time that the NFL really shows some serious cojones here because, listen, you dropped the ball on on a Ray Rice situation big time. You dropped the ball when it came to Greg Hardy. I'm sure quite a few people remember that name. And here you have it, Chad Wheeler putting his hands on a woman, nearly killing her. I mean, really, I've never trusted the NFL in being the moral standard when it comes to being the moral police. But damn it, please, for goodness sakes, can every single man out there, whether you play or the NFL or not, to stand up for women in general, domestic violence is wrong. I'm going to need the NFL to absolutely come down with that same energy that came down with Greg Hardy, Ray Rice, amongst other who, on record, beat on their significant other. It's time that the NFL actually showed that it has a spine and absolutely do what is right and suspend him. I don't even want to tell you to go look at the images in fact as a matter of fact i take that back go and look up the images of the damage the physical damage that that man did on that poor woman and to make matters worse the physical damage is one thing can you imagine the emotional damage and the trauma that now that she's gonna have to live with that in itself should make you angry it should make you sick And dare I say, the Seattle Seahawks, shame on you for not moving swiftly enough. Because by by all accounts, you didn't react right away. You didn't react right away. And of course, the NFL, as of this morning, hasn't even remotely begun to move in a way that they should when it comes to issues like this. But this is the NFL we're talking about. The same league who who basically blackwalled Colin Kaepernick for kneeling. It's the same league that'll turn a blind eye for domestic violence. And that in itself is a damn shame. That'll be all for this week's edition of the Sugar Ray Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Look forward to talking to you next week for Super Bowl week. Take care, everybody. In peace.